Hello and welcome to Moving Iron Podcast. This edition of the Moving Iron Podcast is brought to you by these great sponsors. Axon started out of a passion for keeping agriculture moving. Imagine having 100 years of tire and wheel knowledge in your back pocket the next time you sell a piece of ag equipment. To find more or become an Axon dealer, please visit axontire.com. This podcast is also brought to you by Valley Transportation. Valley Transportation has been hauling ag and construction equipment across the country for the past 33 years. Call Parker at 800-657-4910 or go to valleytransinc.com for all your trucking needs. At Valley Transportation, our goal is to help you reach yours. This podcast is also brought to you by AgDirect. No matter how you buy your ag equipment from a dealer, auction, or a private party, AgDirect can help you finance it. You can even apply online at agdirect.com. Learn more about your financing options at agdirect.com. Moving iron in the 21st century. Hardworking people working hard for you and me. Moving iron time and time again. Through the years you'll find us here. Moving Iron. Hello and welcome to Moving Iron Podcast. Marcus with Sean Hackett. This edition of the Moving Iron Podcast is brought to you by Axon Tire, helping dealers move more iron for the past 100 years. For more information, go to axontire.com. Axon Tire would like to give all the loyal listeners of the Moving Iron Podcast a free Alliance baseball cap. So if you're interested in getting one of those, go to marketingaxontire.com and they will send you one in the mail. So just send your details to marketingaxontire.com and they will send one right over to you. Valley Transportation has been hauling ag and construction equipment across the country for the past 33 years. Call Parker at 800-657-4910 for all your trucking needs at Valley Transportation. Our goal is to help you reach yours. And no matter how you buy your ag equipment, whether it's from a dealer, an auction, or a private party, AgDirect can help you finance. You can even apply online at agdirect.com. Learn more about your financing options at agdirect.com. Sean Hackett is with Hackett Financial out of Boca Raton, Florida, and he's nice enough to come on a couple times a week to listen to me sniffle and sneeze. So, Sean, how are you doing this morning, man? Um, I, I'm doing well. I'm, uh, I, I have a clear clear mind. <laughs> That's good. That's real good. All right, Sean. So, that's uh, <clears throat> finance news came out yesterday. The... Uh, the uh, uh, Fed said they're going to raise at another another half percent, uh, half a uh, half a point, just like they uh, promised they would. The uh, markets rallied towards the end of the day because they said they weren't going to raise it three quarters of a point next time. So, um, I guess as you look at that, what's your feeling about that? How do you think that's going to affect what we see in the trade right t- uh, today? Well, you know, I mean. Uh the half a point was expected. Sure. Usually, the market sells, you know, sell the rumor, buy the news. So, short term, we had that kind of action yesterday. But overall, you know, um, the supply shortages. You know, there's sometimes prices go up because you've printed too much money, right. and sometimes prices go up because we just actually don't have enough physical supply. We really have high prices mainly because we just don't have a lot of physical supply. And you can raise rates all you want. It's not really going to change that situation. It could drive some speculators out of the market. Uh, you know, it can do some short-term things. But at the end of the day, what you need is you need some good weather, some better production, and you need to rebuild and in stocks. And until the market gets comfortable that that's going to happen, I don't really think at this big because of that's the nature of why prices are high in commodities. I, I just don't think that the Fed. Uh, meetings are going to have much impact other than very, very, very short term in nature until 
you know, we can get a better handle on the growing season in the, in the Northern hemisphere, which is just getting started in Europe and here, you know, Russia and that sort of thing. So it makes a lot of fanfare. A lot of people talk about it. Uh, it does move markets short term, but at least for agriculture, don't see much of an impact, at least not right now. As you take a look at what's going on, um, so one of the big things that we talked about last fall was sugar and how sugar was going to impact, um, was going to have a, a bit of a world supply um, uptick compared to what we've seen. Sean, I guess as we go into sugar beet planting season and looking ahead as to what we see out there, how do you think sugar is going to be impacted um, throughout the rest of this year with what we see happening with the rest of the commodities? Well, we, remember we talked about big Asian production last right. year, and that's been weighing down on the market all for the first half of the year, and prices have basically flattened down. Um, but energy is really high, and you know ethanol production is on the rise, and a lot of countries who don't have a lot of corn are thinking about using sugar to produce more ethanol. So. Yeah. You know, it's an energy ag commodity, and so you know we would definitely think that the demand for ethanol based upon sugar is going to be improving. But at the end of the day, we definitely need to have some weather problems in Asia to get this market going. And so here we are in May. May tends to be when sugar likes to make a seasonal low, typically, um, and then it tends to have a rise in the summer on worries over Asian sugar production and so I, I think we're at we're at a point where we're probably you know forming a low and the market's going to be watching very closely any news about increased ethanol production in different countries and on top of it if there's any adverse weather in sugar growing areas especially in India uh, and Thailand where they uh, where they're major exporters so um, no you know no silver bullet right now no like immediate catalyst other than the market that's probably looking at a seasonal low and looking for a reason to price higher based upon the energy component of sugar at this point. We've talked about rice a little bit yesterday, but I read something last night that made me think about what you said in uh, Tuesday's podcast. So Sri Lanka decided they were not going to fertilize their rice crop, and, and now they're having some incredible issues with uh well they well i guess maybe rephrase that they they decided to ban chemicals in in agriculture right and so now you have this uh this big issue with with the amount of uh rice that's being produced in the country so you talked about it yesterday and you know, i'd like for you to expand on it a little bit but what's it look like you know when when the fertilizer situation it with it is is the way it is and you start looking at at countries that that are heavy into rice and like you said rice takes a lot of fertilizer to get started so i guess talk about that a little bit and, and what you see happening there well the key with rice is it's really a major crop grown in asia and you know whereas corn is, is south america north america soybeans are you know north america south america and to some extent we you know the united states can afford uh, and can get access to uh, fertilizer. And I would argue South America can as well. China, I believe, will make sure <laughs> that they get access to fertilizer because they have a vested interest in it. But the problem with like Southeast Asia, Vietnam, uh, Thailand, 
the Philippines, you know, big, big rice producers, exporters, they don't have the money, even if they could find the fertilizer, they don't have the money to, to put that fertilizer down. They don't have it, you know, um, and, and I don't even think, you know, they, it, so, so it's, it's, it's really a situation where you're looking at, I think the International Rice Research Foundation put out, a, they did a study. I think they went into all these Asian countries and surveyed and, and asked them, you know, what, what, what do you think realistically are your plans, you know, about fertilizer and such. And the answer they came back with was that based upon what they were hearing, based upon the access and the affordability factor, they thought global rice production, well, let's put it away, Asian rice production would be down 15% this coming season, not having to do with weather, just doing with less fertilizer usage. To put that into perspective, that, uh, uh, that loss of production would feed a billion people. Oh, wow. Okay. So, so if they're right about that assessment, um, and we lose 15% of Asian rice production at a time, by the way, that demand for rice is really high because of the high price of wheat and the, the price for rice for feed. You know, the, the part is there's rice that's not high quality enough for, for human consumption that they're feeding the animals to try to, I mean, we, you could be looking at a situation that would be uh, really humanitarian. It, it would put the, the, the world in a huge humanitarian crisis. Um, we're almost there, but we're not there because rice, there's enough uh, cheap rice for sale right now to keep places like Africa, you know, uh, and places like Asia from, you know, not having an economical source of food. So it's, it's def now, of course, if you were to have some adverse weather in India or adverse weather in Southeast Asia or adverse weather in China, on top of the fertilizer situation, you know, the things could be considerably worse than the 15% that uh, IRR mentioned. Um, so it's a really big deal, Casey. I mean, it's a really, really, really big deal. And, um, and that's why, you know, we, we really are focused on this particular commodity to really watch uh, very carefully because we, it's, the, it's, in our view, it's the only thing left to ha before having a full-blown um, humanitarian food crisis on our hands. And not that I'm wishing that upon anybody, but I'm not sure how we get away from it, Casey. Right. You know, I, I don't see how, unless we had an absolute dramatic change in the fertilizer situation where, you know, it lost half its value and Russia is willing to sell it to anybody who wants, you know, unless we had a dramatic turnaround, you know, a good portion of Asia is just not going to be able to put that fertilizer down. Uh, I was reading um, some uh, comments from the Philippine ag ministry you know, and, and they were actually talking to you know, some of the larger farmers and saying that, you know, that they're just not going to be able to put anywhere near the fertilizer they want to put down. And, and it's just, it's just really a, I, I think it's a sleeping, it's a sleeping giant in agriculture right now. And I don't, and I don't think a lot of people are talking about it because they don't want to, they don't want, they're trying to avoid a panic. You know, they don't want to tell everyone that we're in trouble, but I, I really feel geopolitically, you know, we talk about geopolitics all the sure. time. This yeah. will be the next big, big geopolitical event is rice supplies no longer being available. Even yesterday, there was rumors that India might halt wheat exports because they have had this record heat for the last 30 days 
just as the wheat crop was finishing out. And, you know, they've been a large exporter of wheat, try, you know, kind of bridging the gap. But they, there was rumors that they might halt that because they're, like, they're going to try to keep it in-house. Well, they, you know, India did that with rice back in 2008 where they said, you know what, we're, we're going to keep the rice to ourselves. And they're, they're the ones selling a ton of rice to the rest of the world right now. So things are really uh, – and, of course, the Indian administration said, oh, no, we're fine. We're going to keep it. But every time that, that, that a government denies a rumor, the rumor is likely true. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's, that's, that's a fair statement. All right, so – I guess as you're looking at, you know, because the last time something like this happened, you had the Arab Spring, right? You had, you had that whole thing in Egypt, you know, erupt, and all the stuff happened there, and a lot of that was over, you know, food stores, and and you had people were hungry and food riots and everything else. That's where that really stemmed from, and then you know some other you know bad actors just kind of threw gas on the fire to make it turn into what it is. But you're exactly right. So I mean, I guess as you take a look at that outlook, going through. Um, 22, like you've talked about, where we're headed into this, you know, late uh, planting season, and then this early frost, early early winter thing kind of creeping in. I, I guess how's that? How does all this play together? I mean, it's like it's almost like we're headed to a perfect storm here, Sean. It has been a perfect storm since the, since COVID. You know, it, it set off the perfect storm from you know shutting down to reopening to the logistical issues. Obviously, the weather volatility that we've been talking about a lot. Um, the Russia invasion, everything that you could pile on to create shortages, we've gotten. Um, and, and and now the last shoe to drop is the lack of fertilizer application, which this would be the first uh, the first growing season where we're going to start to experience what that looks like. Now, remember, some farmers in the world did buy some fertilizer a year ago, and there is some fertilizer that can be put down that you know in, in some places but that's typically in your a more modern wealthier ag economies like the u.s or like south america where you know they they, they have a tendency to pre-buy you know they don't do that in asia they don't have the money to do that in asia i mean they just kind of all right here we go we need it and we we buy it here we go well that's not going to cut it uh this year you know um so 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 that's just um it's interesting. I, you know, I, you talk about unrest and all. I looked at Africa because Africa is always a place where starvation begins typically first, um, or problems with with hunger and food. And um, I forget exactly how many countries are in Africa, but half the countries in Africa in the last six months have experienced some kind of a coup attempt to overthrow the the governments because of a lack of food. Yeah. You know, the inability to feed themselves. And remember, the last time we really got short of wheat and rice was 2007, 2008. The big difference, Casey, however, is that the dollar was very weak back then. If you remember, the dollar was extremely weak. All the other currencies were very strong, which means that even though the U.S. price was high like it is today, they weren't seeing it like they are today. Today, the dollar is extremely strong. And their currencies are dramatically so. For an example, if you look at the price of corn in uh, Brazilian reals, okay, the Brazilian real was worth four times more back in 2008 than it is today. So when you look at a chart of corn, for example, in Brazilian reals, it's like five times higher than it was in 2008. 
even though it's the same price here that wasn't. So everyone in, in the world is experiencing dramatically higher prices than they experienced in the way. And away caused all kinds of unrest and problems and issues. So, so the problem is just that much worse because of the, the currency's upside down, you know, uh, f- from what it was back then. And that just adds insult to injury in, in making this food inflation, this unaffordability of food, and even just lack of access to food really compound the geopolitical and humanitarian unrest the Arab Spring, we're going to be seeing a lot of this going on over the next six to 12 months. You can't do this to five, four, four or five billion people and expect they're just going to sit quietly by and starve to death without trying to do something about it. Well, Sean, good stuff as usual, man. It's a lot of, a lot of things walking together here to, to make a, to make the perfect storm here. So Sean, I guess the folks want to reach out to you, get more information about what it is you're doing at Hackett Financial. What's the best way to do that? Our website is Hackett H-A- C-K-E-T-T, advisors.com, podcasts, sample reports, white papers, all kinds of things for everyone to take a good look at what we do and how we do it to see if we could be of value. I'm Casey Seymour with Moving Iron Podcast. Make sure you check me out on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram at Moving Iron LLC. You can also find me on LinkedIn at Moving Iron Podcast and on the uh, YouTube at Moving Iron Podcast YouTube channel. So check it all out there. Also go to movingironllc.com to get all the information about the Moving Iron Summit coming up here in Nashville, Tennessee, September 6th, 7th, and 8th. Uh, Sean will be there giving his uh, his report about what's going on in the world and uh, headed into 23. So, Sean, appreciate you being on the podcast. Thank you so much, Casey. I love, look forward to next week. Right on, man. And uh, so with that, I'm Casey Seymour, Sean Hackett. Let's come smile, folks. Out. Axon Tire is going to have more tips, tricks, and client advice throughout the year and in September at the Moving Iron Summit in Nashville. If you're looking to sign up for the event, please head over to movingironllc.com. We hope to see you there. Valley Transportation has been hauling ag and construction equipment across the country for the past 33 years. Call Parker at 800-657-4910 or go to valleytransitinc.com for all of your trucking needs. At Valley Transportation, our goal is to help you reach yours. And no matter how you buy ag equipment from a dealer, auction, or a private party, AgDirect can help you finance it. You can even apply online at agdirect.com. Learn more about your financing options at agdirect.com. Moving higher in the 21st century.